arrested, Peter denied even knowing him. Yet in the book of Acts, he becomes a powerful, bold, faithful leader of the church. Notice that the turning point in Peter's life and ministry was the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It changed him and enabled him to be the rock that Jesus said he would be. I found I needed this extra power in my life. I've mentioned it before. I was the kind of person who could not give a book report in school. I couldn't give a speech in school. Anytime I had to speak in front of the class, that morning I'd be home sicker than a dog and stomach tied up in knots, standing in front of a sink, throwing up into the sink. It was a pitiful, pitiful thing. But I found that when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a new power. There was a new power that came into my life. Oh yeah, we still may have fears and butterflies. Paul, he had fears and butterflies. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He wrote about it, preached about it, prayed for people. He still had fears and butterflies. Let me give you a couple examples. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, describing his earlier trip there. And Paul said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. Paul writing says, When we came to Macedonia, we were troubled on every side. Outside were conflicts. Inside were fears. But Paul knew that as he stepped out and did what God was asking him to do, that power would kick in. That power would give him the enablement to do what God was asking him to do. The power is there. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus had promised, You shall receive power. You shall receive power. That was a declarative promise. There was no ifs, ands, or buts, or maybes about it. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. That power's in there. But it's when we take that step of obedience, that's when the power kicks in. It's like when you plug something into an outlet. The power is released when you plug something in. How do we plug something in? It's when God opens a door and we go through that open door. It's kind of like the smartphone. The smartphone gives us more power. They tell us that there's a more powerful processor inside of this thing, allowing it to run complex apps and to multitask. There's a power that's inside there. Well, we have a power when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. More power. Secondly, more prayer. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, our prayer life has a new dimension. We can now pray in the Holy Spirit. We can pray in our prayer language. Paul said it this way, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. As we pray in the Spirit, we pray for things we don't know about, but the Holy Spirit does. And hey, He knows a whole lot more we do. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 26 it says, likewise, the Spirit helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for. Now, let me skip the next three words. I'll come back to it. We don't know what we should pray for, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. There's times we don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit can pray for us. The Holy Spirit enables us to intercede. And then also, as we pray in the Spirit, we can pray for things we don't know how to pray for. Sometimes we know what to pray for, but we don't have the foggiest clue as to how to pray for this thing. It's like a tangled ball of yarn. We have no idea how to pray for this thing. 
But now let me read the verse again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought or as we should. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. And then sometimes we know how to pray for something or don't know how to pray for it. But the Holy Spirit helps us. But then also we can run out of words. We just run out of words. We find ourselves just repeating the same thing over and over. We run out of words. Well, we can pray in the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can give us the words to pray. And then also we find that when we pray in the Spirit, we can know that we are praying in accordance with the will of God. I'm not sure my English prayers are always in accordance with the will of God. Some of them can get self-serving, self-centered, and self-directed. But when I pray in the Spirit, I know that prayer is in accordance with the will of God. I found that when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I found a whole new dimension to prayer. A whole new means of communication with God. You know, when I got a smartphone, I could communicate a whole lot better. I could text a whole lot better. Again, remember, before you're pounding those keys trying to get to the right letter, I can, I can now communicate a whole lot better. I can text better. In fact, people tell me, I've not dare tried this, but people tell me that you can even speak into your smartphone and it will put it into text form. But I've also been warned you better check it before you send it because it might not be accurate completely. But I find that when I pray in the Spirit... I don't have to check that. I know that one's correct. When I pray in the Spirit, I can know the Holy Spirit puts it perfectly into words that God perfectly understands. Thirdly, more passion. The baptism in the Holy Spirit gives us a greater passion. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now that fire has a double effect. It has a purifying effect. It also has a passion-producing effect. You look at that early church, and there was a spiritual fire that burned in them after Pentecost. I heard an illustration a while back that I think pictures it very well. Picture a rocket sitting on a launching pad and gravity would hold that rocket down. But when the countdown reaches zero, the fire ignites under that rocket. The fire ignites and the fire enables the rocket to break through whatever is holding it back. In the spiritual realm... Where does that fire come from? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, NIV version, 1984 version. And it says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Where does the fire come from? The Spirit's fire. In the spiritual realm, the fire enables us to break through the power of sin, break through the power of fear, Break through the power of the past. I love this story that Jeff Leak tells one of our Assemblies of God pastors, pastors in Allison Park, Pennsylvania, tells a story about his grandfather. His grandfather, Thomas, worked in a coal mine as a boy. 
He had to work there as a boy because his father was an alcoholic and could not support the family. So young Thomas would bring his paycheck home every week, hand it over to his mother so the family would have money for food. He had to quit school at an early age, which created a deep-seated anger and frustration that left that he had hit a dead end so early in life. After he got married, he continued to work in the coal mine. He and his wife, they moved onto a piece of land and started to farm on the side, began to raise a family, but he continued to work in the coal mine. He was a hard man, hard man, angry all the time, always in a fight, chain smoker, depressed, never went to church, had little use for the things of God. Every day when he went off to work while eating his lunch in the company cafeteria, he'd drink coffee in, the comp- in a company mug. When he finished the coffee, he'd slip the mug into his lunch bucket. He did this daily, stealing mugs until the family had a large collection of mugs at home. The family never knew the mugs were stolen. Well, one day somebody invited him to a revival meeting. And when the speaker gave the altar call, he shocked the world. And he gave his life to Jesus. Shortly after his conversion, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit had several effects on his life. First of all, it gave him the power to quit smoking. He felt prompted to throw every cigarette he owned and his tobacco and his pipe into the coal-burning stove, and he never touched tobacco again. Secondly, he felt convicted about his petty thefts. One night shortly after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, his wife looked in the cupboard and she couldn't find a mug anywhere. When she, when she asked him, where are all the mugs? He confessed what he had done, told her he had taken everything back to the company that he had ever stolen, confessed to his foreman and made things right before God. And thirdly, the anger in his life disappeared. The frustration was gone. He stopped fighting, he raised his family to love God, and he began to serve as a lay preacher at several outreaches around town. God took a man who was filled with anger and transformed him into a man filled with peace and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That's the result of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now notice the order before we go further, because this can be a teaching moment here. Notice he got baptized in the Holy Spirit before he quit smoking, before he returned the mugs even, and before his anger disappeared. The point here is simply this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's not something we merit. It's not something we're good enough to receive. It's a gift. A gift that is available for all believers. A gift that is available for all believers. All we have to do is ask. And you know what? The baptism in the Holy Spirit will help someone overcome the issues in their life. Help them to live the life that Jesus wants them to live. Help them to be what Jesus wants them to be. That's what the baptism in the Holy Spirit can do in someone's life. Also, we find that the fire has a purifying effect. It has not only the passion-producing effect, but it has a purifying effect. 
I should say, and it also has a passion-producing effect. I got this email a while back from a lady. She says, Hey, Bill, I'm sure you don't remember me, but I thought I'd let you know that God changed their lives forever during an altar call at a church in Augusta, Wisconsin. She said, Several years ago, my teenage daughter and I went up front together. We received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. We've been on fire for the Lord ever since. My whole family's life has changed forever. It's a, also a passion-producing thing that happens in our life. Fourthly, we find that the baptism in the Holy Spirit gives us more praise. Gives us more praise. Gives us an added dimension of praise. We can not only sing in our native language, but we can sing in the Spirit. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. I will also sing with the understanding. We can sing in that prayer language, if you want to say it that way. But also we can speak promises in the Spirit, in that prayer language. Notice Acts chapter 2, verse 11. This was now Paul or Peter writing or Peter explaining what happened on the day of Pentecost. And then when he was preaching his explanation there, the people that were there and had observed what had happened in that upper room in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, these people had come from all different countries, speaking all different languages, but they were there for the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, they were Jewish in belief, but they came from other countries. And listen to what they said. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And so we can also praise and worship Him in our prayer language in that language that we have when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then fifthly, and lastly, we have more precision. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we become more aware of and more open to the working of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are tools that God makes available to help us live and minister with more spiritual precision. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we become more open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, more open to the moving and the working of the Holy Spirit. And I need the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life, both to minister and also to be the recipient of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10, the gifts are listed. A word of wisdom. I need words of wisdom when I don't know what to do and God gives a word of wisdom. I need a word of knowledge when God can give us facts that we have no way of knowing except God gives us facts that we need to know. Discerning of spirits when God gives us discernment whether something is of God, something is of the enemy, or something is of the flesh. Discerning the spirit behind something. Gifts of healings. A word of faith, when God gives you a word of faith for a situation and you just know that you know that you know that this is the way it's going to be. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter what reports are. It doesn't matter what it seems like before your eyes, but you just know that you know that you know this is the way it's going to be because God gives you that word of faith for that situation. And the working of miracles, when God does things that defy the laws of nature and the laws of the way things normally should go. 
and a word of prophecy, a message in tongues, interpretation of a message in tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit increases our awareness and being used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And also, the baptism in the Holy Spirit increases our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and the working of His Holy Spirit. A pastor tells a story, Ron Johnson tells a story, not the senator from Wisconsin, but another Ron Johnson. This was a pastor, a pastor from Orlando. And Pastor Ron Johnson had traveled from his home in Orlando to attend a minister's meeting in Huntsville, Alabama. After the first day of meetings was over, Ron began to feel a deep uneasiness in his spirit. Something wasn't right. He went to his room and began to pray in the Spirit. He began to pray in other tongues, seeking the reason he was feeling so uneasy. As he prayed, he felt a strong urge to leave Huntsville immediately. He called his wife and said, Please change my plane ticket. I want to leave right away. He then explained to his colleagues that he needed to leave immediately. He checked out of the hotel, traveled to the airport so we could fly out to Orlando the next day. During the night, a tornado blew through Huntsville. It touched down just outside the hotel where the minister's meeting was being held. It struck the hotel that night, and the point of impact was the very room where Ron had been staying. If Ron had remained there, he most likely would have been killed. The other pastors were staying several floors below and successfully weathered the storm without injury by crawling under the staircase in the hallway. As Ron flew out the next morning, he was thanking God for the gift of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You see, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit makes us more sensitive to the information the Holy Spirit wants to give us. It makes us more aware of His leadings and His promptings. And this enables us to live and minister with greater precision. The smartphone gives us precise directions and information in a way that the flip phone could not. In closing this morning, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's not just an experience to remember, but it's a life to be lived. Now, I don't know each person... Here this morning, I don't know where you are at in your life. But for me, this whole Holy Spirit stuff was all brand new to me. I mean, it was all brand new to me. You might say, well, preacher, I don't have any church background. It's all new to me. Well, it was new to me too. Or you might say this morning, well, preacher, I actually come from a liturgical church background. Maybe it's Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Episcopalian, Presbyterian. Spent the first eight years of my life in a liturgical church. Wonderful, wonderful people. Kind, sweet, loving, gracious, wonderful, wonderful people. But in those eight years, I don't ever remember hearing anybody talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. No one ever mentioned the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or you might say this morning, well, I actually come from an evangelical church background. Maybe it's a Baptist background or Nazarene or Evangelical Free or Missionary Alliance. Spent the next eight years of my life in an evangelical church. Wonderful people. They loved Jesus. They were committed to Christ. People I will forever be indebted to because during that eight-year period, with the age of ten, I made a commitment to my life to Jesus. Greatest decision I've ever made in all of my life. I can remember in that particular church, 
hearing them talk about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they preached, taught, and believed that what was in the book of Acts was powerful and real. But in that church, they also preached, taught, and believed that when the book of Acts ended, so did the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was for back then, but it was not for today. So during those years, I didn't see people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. After I came to Christ, I didn't want the baptism in the Holy Spirit because people told me it wasn't for today. Well, then in my late teenage years, my parents began to attend an Assemblies of God church. It was the Assembly of God church in Ireland, Michigan. And it was there that I began to hear about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was there I began to learn about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It was there that I learned that when Peter preached his explanation on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Peter said in Acts chapter 2 verse 39, this is for you, this is for your children, this is for those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Even as a teenager I thought, huh, that doesn't sound like that's going to end, that sounds like that's going to keep on going. I learned it had not ended with the book of Acts, but I learned it was still for today. It was for them, their children, their children's children, and all future generations, including us today. And so then as we kept going to that church, I began to be open to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, open in this way. Yes, Lord, I believe it's real. And it's nice those people have it. But I don't think I need this. And then as we kept going to that church, I began to casually desire the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, casually desiring in this way. Yes, Lord, I believe it's real. Lord, if you want to hit me with it, you go right ahead. <laughs> We're not going to pray for this. We're not going to ask God for this. But you want to nail me with it, you go right ahead. By the way, with that mindset, chances are slim we're going to receive. The Bible says, Jesus said in the Gospels, and how much more your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. To those who ask Him. He expects us to ask Him. And then it got to the point where I really... I really wanted to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I remember I got prayed for in church to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know what happened? Nothing, nothing, nothing. So I thought, well, that didn't work, so I'll pray on my own. So I prayed on my own. You know what happened? Nothing, still nothing. Well, now, by now I'm a student at Northern Michigan University, Marquette, Michigan, majoring in business, secular university. I'll never forget this night as long as I live. I'd been in the library that night studying. And it was now midnight and the library was closing. I had to leave the library that midnight, walk across campus to my dormitory. That midnight I started walking across an empty vacant field between the library and my dormitory. As I started walking across that empty vacant field, nobody's around, it's the middle of the night, so I just started praying out loud, Lord, I just want all that you promised. Lord, I want all that's available. Lord, just baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And before I even fully realized what happened, I found I was no longer praying in English, but I was praying in another language. Got baptized in the Holy Spirit walking across a field in the middle of the night at a secular university. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit changed my life. Changed my life. It took everything the Holy Spirit was already doing in my life and gave me more. Gave me more power gave me more prayer, gave me more passion, gave me more praise, gave me more precision. Now that I have the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't want to go back to being without it. It's kind of like this, now that I've got a smartphone, I don't want to go back to a flip phone. 
I don't want to go back to a flip phone. The smartphone gives me so much more. Now, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit necessary for salvation? Absolutely not. We are saved through a commitment of our life to Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing added to. But being a follower of Jesus in the spiritual realm, which would you rather have? Would you rather have this or this in the spiritual realm? In the spiritual realm, I'd rather have this. I'd rather be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the good news is, it's available to every believer. It's kind of like the cell phone provider when they contacted us and they said, you can have this. All you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this morning. Beth, if you'll come to the keyboard, please. Father, this morning we thank you and we praise you from the very depths of our heart for who you are. Father, this morning we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Father, this morning we are so thankful and grateful for Jesus. And Father, this morning we realize that without Jesus and a commitment of our life to Jesus, we would have nothing. We realize that we would have no relationship with you. We realize we'd have none of the Holy Spirit within us. We realize we'd be ineligible for everything we preached on this morning. We realize that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we would have nothing. So, Father, this morning we are so thankful and so grateful for Jesus and all that he provided for us at the cross. We realize we can never earn, merit, or deserve anything we receive of you. But we thank you for your grace and your mercy and all that you make available to us through Jesus. We also realize you never force anything on anybody, but you wait for us to open the doors and the windows of our life. And Father, we pray that in these closing moments of this service, we would just open the doors and the windows of our life, allowing your work to be furthered within us, doing things that only you can do as we open the doors and the windows of our life for you. Father, do things in these next few moments that only you can do as we give you access to our lives. This morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, and no one looking around, please, I don't know each person here this morning in this sanctuary. I don't know each person that's watching online. Don't know your story. Don't know where you're at in your spiritual life. But you might say, Preacher, you just said a moment ago that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have no relationship with God, none of the Holy Spirit in our life, on our own to make it in this life, no home waiting for us in heaven, ineligible for everything I preached on this morning. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come to me. I will cleanse you. I will forgive you. I'll make you a child of God. I'll put my Holy Spirit within you. I'll be with you while you walk on this earth. I'll prepare a home for in heaven when this life is done. You asked me to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. But it all starts with a commitment of our life to Jesus. And this morning, he stands with his arms wide open waiting. Or secondly, you might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I've done that before. But you know, you know, you know that as sure as you're sitting here this morning or watching online, you're not living by that commitment you made to Christ. And something we committed our life to years ago, but we're not living by today doesn't do us any good. 
The issue isn't years ago. The issue is where we at this morning. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. I will cleanse you. I will forgive you. I will restore you. I still got a plan for your life. He's waiting for you with open arms this morning. Or thirdly, you might be here this morning and say, Preacher, I am a follower of Jesus. But there's stuff in my life that just shouldn't be there. And I need Jesus to cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me of the sin in my life. And this morning, Jesus stands with his arms wide open, waiting to cleanse, to wash, to forgive. If we're just willing to admit, to acknowledge our sin and be willing to repent and turn from the sin. He stands with his arms wide open, just waiting. This morning in this first altar call, we're not going to have to come forward, but just simply right where you're seated. If you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ, or you need to recommit your life to Christ, or you need cleansing of forgiveness from sin, in a moment we're going to ask you to slip up your hand, and then we're going to have one word of prayer for everyone who slips up their hand this morning. So this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please. If you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ, or you need to recommit your life to Christ, or you need cleansing and forgiveness from sin, whether you're in this sanctuary or watching online, right here, right now, right where you're at, just slip up that hand right now. Just slip it up right now and put it back down again. Slip it up quickly. Put it back down again. I see hands going up. You may put them up. Put them down. Are there others? Are there others? Are there others? You may put them down. Still others. Still others. Still others. Still others. Still others. Still others. You may put them down. Still others. Father, this morning, you've seen the beautiful sight. Individuals responding to the tuggings of your Holy Spirit on their hearts. Those in this sanctuary and those watching online. Father, we pray that this morning you will minister to the very reason why they raised a hand this morning. I pray, Father, this morning you will cleanse them, you will wash them, you will forgive them of the sin in their life. As they in this quiet moment admit and acknowledge their sin to you. And as they ask you, the forgiver of sins, to cleanse them and wash them and forgive them. I pray, Father, you will cleanse, you will wash, and you will forgive. As they admit and acknowledge their sin to you and ask for your forgiveness. And I pray, Father, this morning you will come and live within them by your Holy Spirit if you're not already there. As they in this quiet moment and ask Jesus to come and live within them. In this quiet moment, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, just say, Jesus, forgive me of the sin in my life. Come and live within me by your Holy Spirit. And he promises he'll come. Father, we thank you for what you're doing by the working of your Holy Spirit this morning. Father, thank you that you're forgiving sin, coming and dwell within individuals by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're going to help us as we live for Jesus from this day on. We thank you for your cleansing and forgiveness. Thank you that you dwell within us. Thank you that you're going to help us as we live for Jesus from this day on. Father, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Let's all stand together, please, if we could. Everyone standing, please. Unless you're physically unable.